Good morning, church. Come on, you're feeling good. Come on, whether you're joining us online or you're here in the room, we're just going to give God everything we got this morning. So let me see your hands together just like this. Come on. Everyone. Let's sing this out. Arise, my soul. Remember this. He took my sin.
John 8:36 says, "He who the sun sets free is free indeed." Come on church, if you will leave that this morning if you're watching at home or if you're here, let's sing this out with everything we got. That the highest king would welcome me. I was lost, but he brought me in his love for me. His love for me. Who the sun sets
Come on, declare. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am resilient. You are for me, not against me. I am resilient. Oh Lord, I am chosen, not forsaken. I am resilient. You are for me.
it's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. How are you? Nice, nice. Well, my name is Whitney Fluk. I'm the Next Gen's Director here at True Life. And whether you're here in the building or you're online, um, I just want to welcome you to church. Um, maybe you're making a breakfast burrito or you're walking your dog, I'm not sure, but we're really glad that you're here. Um, and before we listen to a fantastic message that Pastor Michael has for us, turn to someone and say hey to them. And uh, maybe you're um, at home, say hi to your dog or just to yourself or someone in the chat. And let's get ready for a fantastic message. Come on, how we doing, everybody? You doing okay? Feel good to be in church? Would you help me right now? Just give a shout out to everybody watching on live stream at home or wherever you are today. We're so glad that you're doing church with us right now. Come on, can we just say welcome to everybody watching online? Glad you're here. And those of you who are here in the auditorium, um, thank you so much for venturing out in the pandemic and putting your masks on and coming to church. And um, so glad that you're here as well. And uh, really excited to get into the message that I have for you. Uh, this morning, we're going to kind of continue off of where we were last weekend. But before I get into that, I want to remind you that we are in a season of focused prayer. We're in our fall 21 days of prayer session right now. And we do this twice a year. We kind of call the whole church into a season of focused prayer. We do it once in January. And in January, we, we encourage you to pray and fast to bring some fasting into your life uh, during that season. I think fasting is a good spiritual discipline all the time, but we don't put as much emphasis on the fasting piece during our fall prayer season because, you know, the barbecue grills are still running and we had the smoker running at our house this weekend, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, and it was good too, it turned out really well. And uh, so, but we are asking you to spend some time in prayer and, and um, one of the things that's really on my heart to pray for is I'm just praying for revival and I'm praying for lost people to come to Jesus and we're going to talk a little bit more about that today. And and uh, we've got two times a week that you can join in with us live on Facebook. That's the only platform we're doing it on because we're just trying to keep it simple and clean. Um, but that's Wednesday night at 7 o'clock and Saturday morning at 9 a.m. So a handful of you joined us Wednesday night. Dan, Dan and I were there and Dan led some worship and, uh, and then we just kind of prayed together. It's been about 30 minutes together and then I know a handful of you caught Whitney and Jared. Thank you, Whitney. On Saturday morning, they had some technical difficulties, so they prayed multiple times, but, uh, but it, was, it was great. And um, so just want to encourage you to participate that in, in that with us as kind of a way we can come together and pray corporately during this uh, season of 21 days of prayer. And then uh, I'll tell you a little bit more about this in a second, but Life Track begins next weekend. And uh, it's the first time we'll be able to offer that since the pandemic began. Is life, and Life Track is our process for really just helping you identify, should this be my church home? Should I be a member here? And then what, what does God want to do with my life and how do I plug in and how do I get involved? And so it's a four-week process. We just ask for about 45 minutes a week for, for four weeks. And uh, there's two times that you'll be able to get into that. One is during our 10 a.m. service here in person. 
That'll be in the life track room, which is the last door on your left before you exit the building if you're going through our lobby. And then uh, we'll have an option at 6 p.m. where you can do life track online uh, from the comfort of home. And that'll be the first time we've ever offered it online, so give us some grace. I'm sure there's going to be some bugs for us to work out, but we're excited to have that option available to you. All right, I, um, I really do believe in this idea that, that revival is coming. And um, I know it's a churchy word, and, and I don't even take lightly using it. It's a word I've not used actually for quite a number of years in my own Christian walk because I don't like to say things like that just to hype people up for no reason, but I actually believe it's coming. I, be- I believe that, that there is a great wave of lost people who are going to be coming to Jesus and, and beginning a relationship with Jesus, and, and in some ways that's, that's really already been happening. It's already begun, and uh, I believe it's coming to our country. I believe it's coming to our church. I believe it's coming to not just our church, but many churches across our region. Can I hear an amen, everybody? And um, you guys who are watching online at home, I just want to encourage you to participate as much as you possibly can like you would if you were at church. So if there's a, a reason to say amen, say amen, or type it in the chat, or give us an emoji, uh, a thumbs up, or whatever. If, it, if, if I say something, if I just happen to stumble onto something funny and say something funny, just, you can do the little laughy faces and all that kind of stuff. So uh, just, just help us out with that. So uh, I gave you a passage of scripture last weekend that we're going to continue to build off of today. And it comes to us out of Matthew chapter 24, verse 12. And this is an end times scripture. Um, <clears throat> and that's kind of what we're talking about. It's a question that, that people have when, when things get weird, when things get crazy in our world, and things are crazy in our world right now. Um, people start thinking, could this be it? Is this the end times? Could Jesus be coming back soon? Could this be the end of the world as we know it, and I'm not talking about a, a, a rock and roll song, um, but, but could it be? Could, could, it, could it be the end of, of this time, of this season? And I think it could be. It, it, it's going to be at some point, technically, if you want to be doctrinally correct, if you want to be theologically correct, it has been the end times since Jesus ascended into heaven. So if you want to have your theology right, the end times began when Jesus ascended into heaven. And we've been living in end times ever since. And so if that's the case, I think we could say we're living in the last minutes, the last seconds. And, um, and so Jesus gives us this, you know, the end times can be very daunting to try to understand and all the prophecy in your Bible. I could fill this whole stage with Bible charts and talk to you about the, the four horsemen of the apocalypse and, the, and the, the mark of the beast. And just, I could have you so freaked out and worried and scared and, and it would do no good whatsoever. Um, so what I'd rather do is just keep coming back to what Jesus said about this, and he really boils everything down to two major things, two major ideas that he wants us to pay attention to. And, um, and he gives that to us in Matthew chapter 24, verse 12. Share this with you last week. He says, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold, but the one who stands firm to the end, they're going to be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end. It's going to come. And so Jesus has given us two major things that are, he's saying, hey, there's two things you really want to watch for, and this is how you know that the end times are drawing close. That, that the love of most, and he's talking about Christians, he's talking about believers here, the love of most is going to grow cold. So there's going to be kind of a, a pulling away, a falling away, and, and we've certainly even seen that during a pandemic. It's been the kind of the perfect storm for people who, uh, all the Christian faith was for them was maybe just trying to get to church every once in a while so they could feel good about themselves and, and convince themselves they're a good person. How many know that's not what Christianity is about? Christianity is about a relationship with Jesus. 
And when that relationship with Jesus is vibrant and healthy, it comes out in all areas of our life. And so there's, there's, there's going to be a falling away. There's going to be a separating, if you will. But the one I'm more excited about, we spent all last week talking about this. How do I know if I'm in, at risk of growing cold? And what do I do about it? How do I protect myself from that? Today, we're going to talk about this second scenario that, that Jesus talks about. Here are those two scenarios. The, the first one is the danger of Christians falling away. So Jesus says two ways you can know that the end is nearby. There's the danger of Christians falling away. Simultaneously, there is an opportunity for non-Christians to come to Jesus, for non-Christians to come to believers. So last week, spent the whole message talking about the growing cold and falling away. And, um, and I don't know, this is, just give me grace for one second. Guys, I don't know if there's anything you can do. There's a weird shaped light pointing right here, and it's uh, really weird for me when I step into it. It should be a big wide light. I don't know if you have another cue you can try or not. If not, don't worry about it. I'll be fine, but it's kind of driving me crazy. All right, so, um, <laughs> so simultaneously, we had a whole bunch of weird issues with computers updating and weird stuff this morning, so it's no person's fault. It's a technology glitch. I know what's going on because I'm a geek, but please, if you could try to fix it, that'd be awesome. All right, um, so, so there's also this, and this is the one I'm most excited about, this, this opportunity for non-believers to come to Jesus. Come on, isn't that exciting? Don't you find that exciting? That, that we're, gonna have, we're gonna live in this moment where people are gonna come to Jesus in great numbers. And this is already happening, you guys. Uh, a lot of it has to do with technology and the internet. The gospel is going places it, it's never gone before at a pace it's never gotten there before. E- even our church, I mean, we're not, we're not like big TV preacher or anything like that, but we hear the the message is reaching places and we don't even know how it got there. You know, different parts of the world. We don't even know how they found our website or how they found our live stream. And, and they find us and they're hearing the message uh, through, through the internet. And I just think that's so incredible. And uh, you guys who are doing all that technology stuff, I, if that doesn't give you a purpose, I don't know what does, man. And, and so the gospel is going places uh, faster than it's ever gone before to more people than it's ever gone before. In fact, I learned a statistic this week that I wanted to share with you. Check this out. Did you know more people have come to faith in Jesus over the last 40 years than have come to Jesus, than have come to faith in Jesus over the last 1,960 years combined. More, let me say it again. More people have come to Jesus during the last 40 years than came to Jesus during the previous 1,960 years combined. We, I think we're, the, we're living in it. This is it. This is it. And I don't know if it's next week or next month or a year from now or 10 years from now. Jesus is very clear that none of us know the day or the hour, and we shouldn't try to guess. But he does tell us, hey, there, there's some ways you can know you're getting close. And this is one of them. And, I, and so I, I think we are. There's this incredible opportunity for non-believers to get saved. And so what I want to do today is I want to try to resource you, equip you, uh, fire you up around playing a role in this. And really there's a word for this, we call it evangelism. And I get excited about evangelism because this is my spiritual gift. If you go through Life Track, we're gonna take you through a process where you can find out what are your spiritual gifts, which is a fancy way of saying, 
What is the unique thing the Holy Spirit is doing in your life right now? What is the, what is the way he wants to use you right now? And for me, uh, for, for most of my life, this has been evangelism. And so the thing that keeps me awake at night is the idea that there are people who are separated from the love of God. Like if today was the last day of their life, they would go into eternity not knowing who Jesus is, not having a relationship with him, not experiencing the grace and the mercy and the power that I've experienced in my life. And so I just see the world through that lens. It's the way God has wired me. He hasn't wired everybody that way, but he's wired me that way. It's why I come into church on Sunday morning and I walk through our lobby and I freak out about cook, crooked chairs and paint chips on the wall and the coffee not tasting just right and, and stuff being crooked or not clean in the bathroom. It's because when a, when a lost person comes into this house, this is a representation of who Jesus Christ is and I want them to see that I'm about to experience the most excellent, wonderful, amazing person who has ever walked the face of the planet, that, that, that he is ready for me, that he is prepared for me, it's just how I see the world, all right? And, and you don't have to see it that way. And thank God not everybody has the same spiritual gifts working in their lives. My evangelism gifting causes me to see things in big picture dreams, but I don't know how to put those in steps and actually get it done. So I have great people around me who they're, they're not evangelists, but they're administrators. I'm married one. Thank you, Jesus. You know, because I'm like, let's go conquer the world. And they're all like, how? You need a plan. Can you help me with that? <laughs> so, so that's just how, that's how I see the world. And, and so this excites me. This, this, this gets me fired up. But here's something I do need you to know this morning. Well, not all of us have an evangelism gifting. 100% of us have an evangelism calling. All of us are responsible to play a role in drawing people to Jesus. Can I hear an amen from those of you here in the room? I hope if you're at home, you know, lean over to your spouse, slap them, wake them up, tell them, hey, amen. You need to amen that right now. All right? So, so well, well, not all of us are going to see the world the way I see it. It may not keep you awake at night the way it keeps me awake at night. All of us have an evangelism calling on our lives. All of us are responsible to take the gospel into the world. And, and I want to give you just a good baseline, a good definition of what the gospel is so that, so that we can just build off of this today. Your Bible, New Testament, was originally written in the Greek, and it's actually very difficult sometimes for us to fully interpret what we're reading there. And so you've heard the gospel uh, presented as good news, and that's, that's true. Let me, let me, I think this is probably the most simple, accurate definition of the gospel that I could give you this morning. It's simply a good message from a good messenger. It's a good message from a good messenger. So Jesus came and he said, hey, I'm going to give my life on your behalf. I'm going to pay a price you could never pay. All I need you to do is believe in me, come into relationship with me, receive this free gift of salvation that I'm giving you, and eternal life with your heavenly Father will be the reward for that. How many think that's a good message from a good messenger? Can I hear an amen this morning? That's a good, that's a good message from a good messenger. He came and he brought us that message and then he, when we step into relationship with Jesus, he invites us now to become good messengers with his good message. That's why Isaiah says this, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring, everybody say it, Amen. good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God 
reigns. And we're going to come back to this passage. I'm going to help you with everything that's in here at the end of the message today. But here's where I'm trying to get, is every single one of us have a responsibility to bring good news. I want to help you. I want to help you be one of the people that this passage is describing. Because Jesus said in Luke chapter 10, and if you were on prayer with this Wednesday night, you heard me talk about this. As Jesus is sending his disciples out to evangelize in Luke chapter 10, he tells them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And then he tells them how to pray. And this fascinates me. When I see Jesus pray or tell people how to pray, I'm equally fascinated by what he says and what he doesn't say. Because honestly, like my own logic, my human logic would be, my friend Chad's sitting over here, so I'm going to use Chad as an example. If I said to Chad, hey Chad, um, you, you work at Wilmington Christian, or you, or you did last I checked. I don't know if that's still where you were. Okay. So you, you're a teacher, you work at the school, and, um, and I know it may seem a little strange to tell you that I want you to go evangelize at a Christian school, but in my experience, that's where some of the most evangelism needs to take place. But so anyway, uh, so, so, so I, I might say to Chad, hey, Chad, it's evangelism week for you, Chad, at Wilmington Christian, and I want you to make sure that you share the good message, the good news, with one person every day for the next seven days. And if I'm coaching Chad up, I, what I would do, where my logic goes, is I would say, and Chad, when you go, every day when you go into school, I want you to pray for those people that you're gonna evangelize to. I want you to pray for that their hearts would be soft and tender, that they'd be ready to hear the gospel message, that they would be kind to you as you share the message, that they'd be open and receptive to what you're going to say. That, that's kind of how I would wanna coach somebody who's going into evangelism and, 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 going, and going to share the gospel and how to pray. That is not how Jesus, Jesus coaches the disciples. He does not tell them, hey, as you go out and share the story, pray for the people you're going to share the story with. That's not what he does. Jesus says, as you go out, I need you to remember the harvest is plentiful. Like, we're not going to run out of lost people. We're not going to run out of people who need healing. We're not going to run out of people who need to be served. We're not going to run out of marriages to put back together. We're not going to run out of prodigals that need to be come back home. We're not going to run out of addictions. We're not going to run out of broken lives. Like, the harvest is never the problem, true life. Jesus says it's the workers that are few. It's the ones who are willing to sacrifice, it's the ones who are willing to take the responsibility, like there's never gonna be enough of them, and if Jesus was coaching Chad, and he said, Chad, it's evangelism week for you at Wilmington Christian, Jesus would say to Chad, Chad, I want you to go do this, but I also need you to remember that you're not gonna be enough. Those people you're gonna evangelize to, that you're gonna share the message with, they're gonna need another person to tell them about it, and another person to tell about it, and another person to tell about it, and somebody's gonna to have to disciple them, and somebody's gonna to have to show them how to read the scripture, and somebody's gonna to have to equip them, and somebody's gonna to have to help them understand their own calling. The harvest is not the issue, the workers are the issue. And so he would say, Chad, as you go into Wilmington Christian for your evangelism week, what I need you to do is pray. Not for the people you're evangelizing as so much as I need you to pray that the Lord of the harvest would send more workers. More of us. Like there's not enough of us. Into his harvest field. Why do you get up there and harp on life track? Try to get more people to do life track every weekend, Michael. Why, why, do, you try to, why do you make such a big deal about the dream team? Why do, you, why do you try to champion the people who serve week in and week out? Because there will never be enough of them. The harvest is too big. 
It's too big. And it keeps me awake at night. The thing I'm constantly asking myself is how do I equip more? How do we resource more? How do we train up more? Because the harvest is not the problem. And so what I want to do is I'm going to actually give you something you'll hear in step one of LifeTrack. I'll give you a very short version of it of LifeTrack and I want to expand on it a little bit more today. And I got to give credit where credit is due. This is not my stuff. This has been passed down now through multiple generations of leaders. Started with Pastor Rick Warren at Saddleback Church out in California. And then uh, guys like Pastor Chris Hodges and, and this network of churches we're a part of now, we, we all kind of teach this as a part of our membership uh, classes for our churches. And he gives it to us this way. He says, look, if you're gonna be a worker, number one, you, you've gotta realize that I, I need to accept a personal responsibility. I have a personal responsibility to be a good messenger with a good message. I'm, I'm responsible. There are people in my life who likely will not hear the gospel message unless they hear it from me. There are people in your life who may not hear the gospel message unless they hear it from you. It's just the way God has set this thing up He's put it on us. Let me say it to you this way, true life. You are God's plan, and he does not have a plan B. There's no plan B. It's you, and it's me. We're his plan. We're his plan to bring a good message, to be good messengers to people who need to hear about it. The Apostle Paul says it this way, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Isn't that awesome? Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord is going to be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have not ever heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, now he's quoting Isaiah, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. Let's work this equation backwards. How will anyone go and tell them without being sent? Well, congratulations, everybody. If you're in this room today or if you're watching online, it is Sending Sunday. You are officially commissioned to go be good messengers with a good message to go share the gospel of Jesus with the world around you. Give yourselves a hand. Welcome to the team. Congratulations. <laughs> and some of you are like, I don't want to. I'm not an evangelist because there's a stigma on that. Some of us think that means, no, 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 Michael, I'm not going to go down on Main Street and stand on the corner with a megaphone and get on people's nerves telling them to turn or burn. <laughs> I'm not walking around with those cheesy Christian tracks and handing those, and let's just, to be fair, let's be honest, uh, people who evangelize that way, they probably do reach some people, but if I'm being honest, can I tell you, I've, more times than not, I've thought, you ain't helping me, man. <laughs> You're not making it any easier on us. You're kind of making us look weird. <laughs> Y'all, can we just be honest this morning? Can we just tell the truth? Like, what are you doing? You'd realize everyone's ignoring you. Okay? So I'm trying to take that stigma off of you today, all right? Accepting the personal responsibility doesn't mean you gotta go be a weirdo. Everybody said? 
Amen. Simultaneously, I need to help you. I need to pull the other side of the stigma off, which is that you think you need to be cautious. Like, if somebody's if somebody's drowning, and you have a life preserver, nobody stands there with a life preserver and thinks, "Well, if I throw this to them, they might it might communicate that I don't think they can swim, and they might get offended." I just I would. I would throw this to you, but I don't want to offend you. <laughs> I, I, do you, should I? I just don't want to be the weird life raft thrower. Can I tell you, when people are in desperate situations, when people are hurting, they don't need you to be cautious. Throw the life raft. Give them hope. Give them the thing that they need. You don't need to be cautious. Accept the personal responsibility. And once we all realize that we're responsible, the next thing we can do is we can develop a personal relationship. Develop a personal relationship. I don't know about you, but I've had far more success talking to people about Jesus through friendship than I have through enemyship. That's not a word. I made that up today. It's the beauty of having the microphone. You can say whatever you want into it. Come on, how many think it's easier to win a friend to Jesus than an enemy? It's it's so much easier. And so we we get these paradigms in our heads, these these stigmas in our heads, and we think, if I'm going to lead people to Jesus, what that means is I need to tell them how wrong they are. No, you don't. In fact, they probably already know. The last thing they need from you is a reminder. Instead, just be a friend. Just develop a relationship. The Apostle Paul said it this way, whatever a person is like, I try to find common ground. Come on, everybody say it. Common ground. One more time. Common ground. I try to find common ground with him so that he will let me tell him about Christ. And then look, you don't have to be the Savior. Let Christ save him. Let Jesus do what Jesus does. You don't have to be Jesus. You, You just develop the relationship. And, and this, honestly, for, for Christians, for believers, this is probably the biggest hurdle that some of us need to get over today. Because in order to develop a personal relationship with people, you have to actually like people. Some of us don't. Some of y'all just straight up don't like people. And you just need to be honest. You need to ha- be honest with the Holy Spirit today. And just be like, God, I know you want me to love them. But dang, some of them are difficult. Most of them are difficult. I don't want to like them. And just go ahead and deal with that today because what will happen is if you'll be honest with your heavenly father, then he'll respond to that and he'll give you a heart transplant. He'll give you his heart towards people instead of your heart towards people. The closer I grow to my father, the more I love what my father loves. And my father loves people. Oh, y'all ain't amen to me this morning. Dr. John Maxwell says it this way. I love this quote. He says, I don't have to be like them to reach them, but I do have to like them. I don't have to be like them, but I do have to like them. So I'm going to accept the personal responsibility. I'm going to develop a personal relationship with people that I want to reach. And then I'm just going to share my personal story. Evangelizing is not telling everyone else how wrong they are. Evangelizing is just telling people what Jesus did for you. It really is that simple. Hey, that, that, that sounds like a lot. and It sounds like you've experienced a lot. And 
Sounds like church hasn't even always been a good experience for you, but can I just tell you what Jesus has done in my life? Can I tell you about my experience a little bit? I just, it's been so different. It's been, I can't imagine where I would be without him. Just, just share your, find common ground, share your story. I, I had a conversation like this recently with somebody who I just met, new friend, new, new relationships that w- was developing. And, and for me, there's always a point in the new relationship where I'm gonna have to say what I do for a living. <laughs> and so this person tells me what they do for a living. They're like, so what do you do? And I'm like, oh, I pastor True Life Church up, up the road here. And this person's like, oh, I actually know some people who go there. That's, that's pretty cool. I was like, awesome. Have, they, have you come with them? Because I never know if, if, if people have been here or not. He's like, no, nah, I'm not very religious. When people say that to me, that is, I know for a lot of us would be like, uh-oh, what do I do? For me, I'm like, open door. This person goes, I'm just, I'm not very religious. And I went, yeah, me either. And he went, what? Just like that, what? Yeah, I'm not either. Religion is all about you trying to check off a bunch of boxes and follow a bunch of rules and trying to convince a bunch of other churchgoers that you're as Christian as you are trying to make yourself look. That's not what I'm into. I know God. We, I have a relationship with Jesus. I know that might sound a little weird, but that's what we teach at our church. Is this, it's about relationship. It's about relationship with him, and then we get to do life together, and, and we all make mistakes together, and we all mess up together, but we're all growing closer to Jesus at the same time. That, that's the kind of church I try to lead, man. And he goes, huh, you're more like me than I thought. I might have to check that out. Do you see how easy that is? Just, I'm just going to share my story. And it was deeper than that. I said, yeah, I've had some experiences just like that. In fact, I was, I was ready to walk away from church for a season because of the religious piece. Just, just shared my story. And how having a relationship with Jesus changed me. 1 Peter 3.15, in, in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason so like there's going to be some, there should be something about my life that causes other people to ask me. They're going to ask me, hey, why, why are you so stinking happy? Like can I give you a great opportunity? It's coming up. I'm trying to prep your hearts for this. There, there's a day quickly approaching. It's going to be the first Wednesday in November where no matter what happens that morning, about 50% of the country are going to wake up angry. No matter which way it goes, about half the people are going to wake up mad. And they're going to come to work mad. They're going to march in the streets mad. No matter which way it goes, mad, just ticked off. And you are going to show up at work with a smile on your face and hope in your heart. You're not going to be mad. Come on, true life, I'm counting on you. And they're going to be like, what's your problem? You need to get mad. And you're going to be like, yeah, it didn't, it, maybe it didn't go the way I wanted, but this isn't my home. I don't live for this world. I got, there's, there's something bigger going on in my life. I, I'm, I'm only here for a little while. I got this hope in my heart. Come on, y'all. Open door. The less hope the world has, the more opportunity believers have to be instruments in God's hand for a season of Revival. 
I'm just, I'm just, I just want to be ready. And he says, and, and do this with gentleness and respect. So be ready to tell about the hope you have. So when they're like, why are you so happy? Don't be like, well, because I'm not a sinner like you. <laughs> I, would, I would prefer you not say that. No, no, with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. So I'm gonna accept their personal responsibility. I'm gonna build a personal relationship. I'm gonna tell my story. And then the last one we always teach is, then go ahead and just give an invitation. And this one is more difficult than ever in a pandemic. Because normally what I would say to you is, hey, if you're not comfortable leading someone to Jesus yourself, if you're not comfortable taking that next step in the conversation, if you're not comfortable praying with them or whatever, I get it. You go to a church where we will always give a clear presentation of the gospel every single Sunday. So worst case scenario, you just invite them to come sit with you at church. Well, that's not working like it used to. Before this pandemic, there was still a majority of the people in America who said, if somebody would invite me to church, I'd go. And now they're, now they're less likely because people are being cautious. There's a lot of fear in our world. Uh, some of us can't even go. You can't, you can't invite someone to come because you're high risk and you've got to do church from home. And so what I was really wrestling with is how do I help our church? How do I help believers still give an invitation? And so that's, we're going to go fast and then we're going to have a, a, a moment together in the presence of God to wrap today up. But this is where I'm going to wrap up the message today is I want to help you with how to give an invitation. And I want to give you one tool right up front before I give you the the points to the message. We're, we're right on the verge of our fall small group semester beginning. It begins in September. And I'm just putting this out here in all three services today in case drop, God drops it in your heart that you would want to do this. There's a guy by the name of Pastor, uh, uh, Dr. John Maxwell. He's written more books on leadership than anybody I know. He's the, probably the wisest person I'm, I've ever seen on leadership. Um, we have the opportunity to hear him speak at a conference we're a part of at least once a year. And and um, just an incredible man and an incredible evangelist. And he goes into secular businesses. He gets contracted to come into secular businesses to, to talk about leadership and business culture. And he'll do these like four or five sessions during the day. And then when he gets to the end of his very last session, he says to all the people in the, that are there, he says, hey, listen, this is my last official session for the day. But, but your employer has given me permission to hang around after hours and do one last session and that I want to invite you to come back to. I'm going to do one more session, and I'm going to share my faith, which is really the, the main thing behind everything else I've taught you today. It's not mandatory. You don't have to be here. But if you'd like to hear about it, I'll be here to share it. And, and Dr. John Maxwell says the majority of the people come back. And of those that come back, every single time between 80 and 90% of them respond to the message of the gospel and give their hearts to Jesus in their secular workplaces. Come on, isn't that incredible? It's so amazing. And so that, that's what he does. Well, check it out. Dr. Maxwell now has done, he's put together a nine-week small group course that if you want it, we'll go buy it, we'll go get the, the material, and, and you can go to your friends and family people who you know who maybe don't have a relationship with Jesus and say, hey, would you like to come here from one of the greatest leaders on planet earth? We're going to spend a few weeks just listening to some sessions from him and we're going to do it as a small group. My church is sponsoring it and I'd, I'd love to have you come. You can do it virtual through Zoom. You can just screen share and share all the video content. It'll be Dr. John Maxwell. You don't even have to do the talking. It'll be him and, 
And then at the very end of it, you say, hey, we have one more session from Dr. Maxwell where he's gonna come back and share his faith. And if you're doing a small group in person, let me tell you how to make sure people always show up. You have the best food on that week. I'm just telling you. All right, so do tacos or, or something that you know will get everybody there. And so if this is, as I'm saying this, if you're like going, I could do that. If God drops that in your heart, I want you to email our, our small groups pastor, Joel, at truelife.church, and just say, hey, I'm, I'm interested in doing the Maxwell small group. I'd like to lead that. And, and listen, I don't want you to fill your small group with a bunch of church people. It needs to be like you and, and one or two friends who are saved, and then you need to fill your small group with people who, who you don't think have a relationship with Jesus. And then we're just going to equip you and resource you, and you're going to see your friends give their lives to Jesus. I'm just telling you, that's what's going to happen. It's going to be awesome. And then you're going to cry a whole lot, and you're going to want to do it every small group semester for the rest of your life. It's going to be fantastic. All right, so uh, let me help you now. We're going to wrap it up. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who, and, and, the, and the passage gives us four things. Bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings. It's not the same thing as good news. And who proclaims salvation. Four things. I want to I help you now, since it's not just as easy as come to church with me. Like, like, what do I say to the lost people in my life? How do I share the gospel with them? And so I just want to give you four things that you can say. Good news, peace, good tidings, and salvation. I'm going to help you with how to say it. All right? And while I'm saying this to believers simultaneously, maybe you're in the room today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, or maybe you're watching online or listening to the message later on on a podcast and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. And so while I'm using this to train believers, I'm simultaneously saying it directly to you. You can have this today. These four things that I'm going to say right now, they're for you. And you can have it right now. All you have to do is respond to it. And here's the first one, is that God loves you. Some just need to be reminded of that. God loves you, and he sent his son to pay for your sins. That's the good news. That's the gospel. God loves you, and he sent his son to pay for your sins. You don't have to pay for him. You don't have to earn it. There's nothing you could do to make God love you more. It's the most famous, well-known scripture in your entire Bible, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave is one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And y'all, I have a son. He's seven years old. And, and I'm, just, I'm just being transparent with you today. I don't know if I could do that. If I had to choose between you and my son, I don't think I can go there. I think I choose my son every single time because I love him that much. I love you a lot, but I don't know if I love you that much. But God did. He gave up his son. And when you're sharing your story with someone, somewhere in there, you've just got to find the opportunity to say, hey, you know, you know what I finally realized? Is God loves me so much, he gave up his son for me. And he gave up his son for you. And, that's, and, and, and now I'm, I'm guaranteed eternal life. God loves you, and he gave his son for you. Here's the second thing you can share with him. In the band, you guys can come on up. Is that, that God can give you peace no matter the circumstances. So, like, there's a lot of teaching out there that is more around, like, come to Jesus so all your circumstances change. 
That's not in the Bible. That, it's just not in the Bible. What is in the Bible is that while everything in your world might be falling apart or going crazy, you can have peace right here through Jesus. You're going to experience disappointment. You're going to go through hard times. You're going to live in a society that goes nuts sometimes. And guess what? You can have peace in the middle of all of that. Jesus said, I have told you all of this so that you may have, everybody say it, peace in me. Here on earth, you're going to have, you're going to have trials. Stuff's going to, you're going to have sorrows. But take heart because I have overcome the world. This is how you give an invitation to people who need Jesus, is you tell them, look, God loves you and he gave his son for you. And, and, and when you come into relationship with him, I'm not telling you all, everything's going to get better. But I can tell you, even while things are going nuts in my life, I've had this peace. I've had, I've had this peace in my heart. And then you can tell them good tidings, which is this, is that, that God, will, he'll give you the strength to make it through. Like you're going to make it. Some of you are believers and you just need to be reminded of that today. You're going to make it. If Jesus is in your heart, keep trusting him. Keep hanging in there. This life is not going to last forever. Heaven's going to be really good. He's going to give you the strength to get through whatever's going on in your life right now. Come on. And believers who've experienced the strength of God in their life said, Amen. Amen. Paul says, Good news we preach is hidden behind a veil. If the good news we preach is hidden behind a veil, it is hidden only from people who are perishing. Said, look, look, look it's, it's only people who haven't received Jesus yet who aren't, aren't experiencing the strength that we have because we're pressed on every side by troubles, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not driven to despair. We're hunted down, but we're not abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed because the strength of God carries us through every situation and every season of our life. Here's the last one. Is that God is ready. He's ready to save you right now. Hey, hey friend, God loves you. And he can give you peace and he can give you strength and he's ready to do all of that for you right now. And when you're sharing the gospel with somebody, just be ready for this. Oftentimes you'll get to this part and they'll go, okay, I, I just, I don't know if I'm ready yet. Okay, that's all right. As long as you know that he's ready. He's ready. And, when, and when, when you are ready, when your right now comes, it's always right now for God. Like he is always ready. Today is the day of salvation. He's always ready. He's always available. And then, what do I do next? How, how do I... How do I know if they've really made a decision to follow Jesus? How do I know who's saved and who's not? How do I know if I'm saved or not? Paul makes this really clear for us. He says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Come on, I want every Christian, let's just do it as a, as a matter of exercise this morning. We're going to confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. He's the Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. That's it. That's it. So do I, like, if I pray, like, am I going to have to start coming to church with you? No. 
I mean, it'd be great if you went to church. You'll learn a lot more about Jesus at church, but that's not a condition for salvation. Salvation is simply confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and then believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and and you'll be saved. Which, by the way, y'all, we need to have some language tweaks within the body of Christ. I'm asking you to eliminate from your vocabulary vocabulary statement like statements like well a real Christian would never do that a real Christian would never say that a real Christian would never vote for blah 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 a real Christian would never put that on their Facebook yeah they would because every single real Christian is still a very real sinner and Christianity doesn't exist to create a construct for people to meet your expectations Christianity exists for those who say Jesus is my Lord, and I believe he was risen from the dead through the power of his mighty Father, and I'm saved. That's it. Those are the qualifiers. Can I hear an amen this morning? That's it. So here's what we're going to do. Some, some of us are listening to that right now. You're watching online right now, and you've never said, Jesus is the Lord of my life, and I believe he rose from the dead. And I'm as I've talked about it, something in you kind of stood up and you know, like, I got to do that. So whether you're listening live or you're in the auditorium or it's a week later or a month later or two years later and you're hearing this message right now, all you need to do right now is just say out loud, Jesus, I confess you're the Lord of my life. From this day on, you're in charge. You're the king. And I receive the free gift of salvation that you made available to me because of the cross. I believe you're not dead you're alive through the power of your mighty father through the power of the Holy Spirit you you came up out of the grave and now in this moment where I'm making you Lord of my life that same power that brought you out of the grave is coming to life inside of me and I'm going to spend eternity with you one day thank you for saving me Jesus in your name I pray and that's it like if you may if you prayed that prayer right now you're saved welcome to the family. Come on, everybody. Can we just welcome some people to the family? It doesn't matter when it is or where you are. It's that simple. And I think God is he's knocking on our hearts today. He's knocking on the hearts of those who have not made a decision to follow Jesus, but I, I think he's also knocking on the hearts of believers. It says, he sta- I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, So as I was preparing this message this week and having some quiet time with the Lord, this song came on my, my prayer playlist. And just in that moment, I just, I was wrecked before God. Kind of an emotional moment for me. So it's Tuesday afternoon. I finished writing my notes and I, I got on the phone to Kevin. And I said, hey man, I, like this song, I think would just fit so well with the message this weekend and I want to just create a moment for people to respond to God's presence and say yes to that knocking that, that I will be a good messenger with a good message because honestly the, the biggest struggle of my life and my calling has been trying to figure out who's available and who isn't because the harvest isn't the problem the workers are the problem. Not that they're a problem, but there's just never enough of them. 
And I believe God is asking us this morning, you available? Can I use your life? Can I count on you? Will you, will you be a good messenger? Will you take this good message? You're my plan, and, and there is no plan B. And so I said, Kev, could we, could, is there a way we could play this song? Maybe like somebody could just play it on keys and, and somebody could sing it and we can just have this moment together. And he was like, let me call the, some people. Let me see what we can pull together. And then like an hour later, I got a call from Michaela and she was like, hey, can we just have the whole band play it? Like, and I was like, well, yeah, that'd be awesome. But I didn't ask for that because I didn't want to freak anybody out. Like, I know it's very last minute. And, and she's like, no, we got it. We're going to do it. And so um, I just want to say thank you again, you guys, for that, your willingness to change and shift at the very last minute and, and make something happen. I was up here studying. I hadn't even told my wife. I was like, uh, can somebody tell my wife? She doesn't know we're doing this yet. So, um, so here's what I want to do. You can stand or sit if you're at home right now. Stand, sit, whatever works for you, but don't don't sign off yet. And and these guys are just going to sing. It's a new song to you. It was originally recorded by Elevation Worship, and it's just about being available. And my hope is that we would just have a moment here in the presence of God this morning, and that maybe the words of this song could become a prayer that you lift up to your heavenly Father today. To just say, yes, God, I'm I'm available do whatever you want to do in my life. And this is how we're going to end the service today. Whitney will come up and dismiss us at, at the very end. I understand if you're on a tight schedule, you need to go somewhere. That's fine too. But let me just pray for you. And then they're going to sing. And I just want you to spend some time in God's presence and hopefully have a moment where you say, yes, God, I'm available. I'm available to you. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. And we thank you for your word and for the opportunity to experience it together, to worship you together. Jesus, you said the harvest isn't the issue. You just need more of us to be about your Father's business. And so I pray for our hearts today, God, that sometimes they're distracted. Some of us in this season of pandemic, our hearts have grown cold toward you. God, I don't want that to be me, and I don't want that to be any person in this church or listening to this message right now. So would you use this moment to awaken our hearts to your plan and your call. Every single one of us are called to lead people to you. So we offer our lives to you, God. We say yes. I'm available. I'm available. You can stand or sit. We're going to sing. Stage is yours, guys.
Yes, Lord, we're available. We put distractions aside. We put you as a priority in our life. We're listening to what you say, God, and who you put on our heart and what you put on our heart. We're listening, God, and, and we're available to you, Jesus. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, that was a wonderful song, and um, I'm in the back, and it's I, I kind of got lost. I was like, wait, am I supposed to come up now? <laughs> but... Um, but I just, I love the, the practicality of that message. And one thing that I'm going to take from it is just meeting people where they're at and finding common ground and developing relationships and how simple, how simple it is. And not putting the pressure on us, but putting all of it on, on the Lord because he's going he's gonna to make a way and he just wants you to be available. Amen. Yeah. Um, so uh, let me pray for you before we head out. Wait, before I pray, I almost forgot. Connection card. So if, if you have a prayer request, um, if you want more information about small groups or how you can get connected, um, check out the connection cards that are being dropped in the chat box right now um, or check out the app. Um, the connection cards are on there as well, a digital connection card. Now I'm going to pray for you, all right? Uh, Jesus, I... Um, I pray, God, that you would continue to stir up believers. God, that you would send more workers, people that love you and, um, and just wanna, wanna see the kingdom grow. God, I pray that, that we would continue to be available, that we would walk into this week with a heart of availability to you and, and gleaning from your word um, and just staying strong and fixed on you. Um, so I pray a blessing over every person here and online, um, or even people that are going to be replaying and watching this. I pray that you would bless them, Father, um, and give them wisdom as they walk into their week. Um, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, we are officially dismissing you. The band's going to keep playing a little bit here. But have a wonderful Sunday, and we will see you next week.